0: We moved into the mode of building our lifestyle so that we could use a business to support it. And everybody gets that reversed, I like to say, and they try to build a business to get a lifestyle. And I'm saying it's a mindset thing first. Mindset thing first happens. You start to move that mindset towards your goal and objective, and then you build things to allow that to become sustainable in the changes that you're making. If you wait to build a business and then create the lifestyle, you'll be months to years (laughs) behind when you can actually start to shift that momentum now. And that's a big life lesson for me. Welcome back
1: to another episode of the Debutify podcast. We talked about Neil's business journey in this episode, which was pretty inspiring from bankruptcy to where he's made 50 millionaires from his training. Neil Toir was a wealth of knowledge and just obviously incredibly experienced. So let's have a listen.
0: Well, how are you doing today? Where does this podcast find you? No, I'm doing great today. Um, uh, We just got the pool open, so the kids are all excited. Now that's got to kind of refill and and cool down, just a warm up, I should say, just a little bit, because we have well water. Uh, I live out in the Ozarks uh, in Missouri, in the middle of USA, and uh, it's just now time to open the pool, and the kids are going to be great. But we have the cold, cold water that comes from the wells, so it's going to take at least a week or so and some 80-degree weather for it to get warm enough to jump in. (laughs) So that's been the big exciting thing today at our house. Um, yeah is it from a (laughs) borehole or no it's an above ground pool based on our our water table and the kind of clay and stuff we have it was kind of the best option but it's a 30 foot round um we've got a big deck around the outside of it as well as you know it's about 54 inches deep so it's Mm a it's a great pool for the six of us to get in and play and we've had up to 20 people in it before playing around so it's a lot of fun
1: (laughs) wow yeah that's awesome Yeah, the Ozarks. Yeah. What's it like out there? And when did you move there?
0: Well, not to be confused with the show Ozarks, which so many people know now where the Ozarks even is before it was like, oh, you're in Missouri. That's a flyover state. I've never heard of nothing good I know of comes from Missouri, as my friend jokingly tells me. Um, But yeah, we moved out here. Long story short, I was actually born in a place called Independence, Missouri, which is north of here, just in uh, outside of Kansas City. But when I was two, my parents moved to Arizona and we ended up in Oregon. So I grew up in the West Coast um, from the age of uh, about three. On. So I ended up back in Missouri of all places after traveling the world and living all over the country from literally Oregon to New York. I ended up back in the Midwest um, where I kind of settled down, grew my roots, and had a family and built business and life. And uh, we got about 40 acres out here in the country. We like to hang out in, which is fun, and uh, get to do all kinds of outdoor things uh, out here in the country. We've been out here for about nine years now, establishing oh, this area. Yeah.
1: That's so my dream. I talk about yeah, that, that
0: with my friends so often. Just New Zealand, just get a yeah. small piece of bush. Well, surprisingly, I hear that enough from people. I, I'm actually surprised to hear that more and more from folks who kind of, you know, at first it was, you know, 10 years ago or so people kind of snubbed their noses. Why do you want to do that? That's kind of crazy. We mm-hmm. had the big, nice house on the little lot and the nice neighborhood and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, my wife just said, Hey, you know what? I think we need some more space. Um, we're kind of going a different direction from the world. We're, we're homeschooling our girls. We do business at home. We kind of do our lifestyle very differently. know and we we moved into the mode of building our lifestyle um so that we could use a business to support it and everybody gets that reversed i like to say and they try to build a business to get a lifestyle and i'm saying it's a mindset thing first mindset thing first happens you start to move that mindset towards your goal and objective and then you build things to allow that to become sustainable uh in the changes that you're making if you wait to build a business and then create the lifestyle. You'll be months to years <laughs> behind uh, when you can actually start to shift that momentum now. And That's a big life lesson for me, finally understanding that concept in its truest form. Uh, so we built our lifestyle uh, from the ground up. We've got a smaller home on bigger acreage and have since been expanding this all out from pools to shops to Parents moving out here from Oregon and landing on acreage just down the road from us. Her parents are moving over here. Our aunt and Uncle owns the house on the hills, and now we got you know five houses and sixty-five acres of compound here, if you will, or community, depending upon what time of day it is. Oh. It's a great place to establish, and kids can run all over the place and play. And be kids. Yeah, that's that's really good to
1: hear. I um I've fallen into a similar uh, role reversal there, where working at day Beautify and becoming fully remote. I was already a remote filmmaker for about a year beforehand, but now I've kind of solidified that there's no way I would ever work in a studio all day, Mm. five days a week. I want to go on a bike ride as soon as this podcast finishes, and then I'm going to go surfing tomorrow morning. There you go. And I'm going to come home from those activities and I'm going to do a lot better work, you know, instead of just slogging it out on the computer all day. It's uh, it's kind of crazy that we do this like
0: self-destructive, self-fulfilling social pressure been there. And we've all, to some degree, uh, have faced those things in, in our time. I faced it as well. It's things you have to overcome. There's very few born entrepreneurs, we are usually entrepreneurs and one-preneurs and solopreneurs who all involve business, and eventually we can call ourselves entrepreneurs. There's a classification level to each of those things, <laughs> much like a business yeah. operations level. Everybody wants to jump to the entrepreneur, but they kind of skip the whole component of well, you got to build the ladder, you know, the, the rungs on the ladder before you can get to the top. And I, I too, went through a track of that similar you know, thinking in my life once upon a time. And I jumped out of college for that reason, because they were, you know, putting me in front of, in my day, putting me in front of green screens and programming crap um, that had nothing to do with the life and, and uh, not really what I wanted to do in terms of business and e-commerce and international business. And I was like, they're going to plop me down in front of a green screen and make me program. and well, no, nah, it's sorry. I'm going to fight that. So I um, yeah. had an opportunity to get past that. There were a lot of struggles and challenges on my spaghetti road to some success. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tell me
0: about that. I know that you have
1: a pretty crazy story, so I'd love to hear it.
0: Well, I mean, long story short, everybody has some aspects of their story that are fun. I always like to focus on the more positive ones because it's easy to hit the negatives really fast. All the bad things that happened, et cetera. But there was always you're something really, good that really occurred. Man. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bad things were yin and yang, right? Dark and light. And without the bad, you don't understand the good. Without the dark, you don't understand what the light does. And in this way, many dark paths occurred in my life that tripped me up from literally a, a really bad divorce that kind of set me on a completely different path in life and reset all goals, expectations, and you know life things I had and was literally a complete reinvention of like, now what? Uh, down to moving and losing a house and that relationship and family and a whole lot of mess that really comes with divorce. But out of that came a very positive turn in my life and a very uh, confidence that eventually turned around after all that kind of nonsense and set me on a very new path in life that really helped me to see, again, dark and light. And and so through that process, I got to establish the comfort level with being able to handle things that are more difficult. Uh, and one of those things was the fear of getting out of a job. And at that point, I was working at IBM and So I knew that at some point I was going to separate myself from them. I didn't actually want to go that route. I just took it because I had literally two choices, stay in academia and keep following that path or go in the corporate world and kind of follow the money because the internet was so new and business was new online and stuff. There really isn't really many other places to go. So I chose the corporate route. And by the time I got to 2007, I'd had enough of that. But in the IBM stage, similar to the way you just explained, I had the opportunity to learn some really cool things and shift my mindset. I came out of the cubicle world of Sprint, um, got to help launch the mobile first mobile phone division uh, and be a part of the team in the customer support and knowledge management component, and help that grow and scale and got to see that division of what PCS became Sprint Mobile. And, you know, they went from like 5000 employees to 80,000 employees. It was a huge growth time, very fascinating to watch that whole thing take off Mm. and the whole mobile division and expansion of mobile phones that everybody takes so much for granted. Now, there was not that right. It it, it evolved. It was cool to watch, but it was very corporate. It was very, you know, butt in seat, you know, ride the the corporate jockey world. Uh, And in that life, I suffered. I, I suffered depression. I suffered gaining 100 pounds. I was a very unhappy person. I was capped in certain tiers because of, you know, performance issues and stuff. I outperformed the group, but because I was the only male in that group, I got held down. Uh, And there was a lot of trouble in that. It just really hurt me mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, So by the time I had an opportunity, I I performed okay. You know, IBM said, hey, would you come take a look at this job? I'm like, heck yeah. So in that period, I became a laptop cell phone Traveling Road Warrior Junkie lost the 100 so pounds. <laughs> was, that, was that the move from academia to IBM? Or was that no, it was a move from corporate America in its typical, you know, way wow. light, gray stand, gray office cubicles into IBM. At that point in the division I was in, it was more like the Road Warrior division between business and jumping between clients and doing project work all over the place, which took me into the field and out of the corporate. And so while I would be in a corporate office, it would usually be a different corporate office and different locations, sometimes two to three times a week, uh, or I'd be on a two month project in one place and then it changed. So it was an ever evolving, ever changing And my laptop and my cell phone became my office. Uh, and because of that and flying, I, you know, I had a whole different level of activity and whatnot and the weight came off and I got more active and I lost and confidence boosted and my creativity started to flow. And after almost five years in that thing, I was very confident that I could, Uh, take what knowledge I had. uh, And at that point, move into a management consulting company that I owned in 2007. And I left IBM to do that. But I needed that transition. I went from the corporate world jockey to the road warrior, you know, mobile laptop person straight into marketing and building and managing my own, you know, management consulting firm. And that actually did pretty well uh, until I discovered online marketing. (laughs) What happened then? Well, I got to start playing with uh, mobile applications. And so much of the Uh, internet component that was really taking off was, well, how do you utilize this tool called the internet to make money and do business? And it was still evolving greatly and it was evolving very fast. And of course, businesses need leads and lead is the lifeblood of the money and the company. And so one of the things that I got into was affiliate marketing and, and specifically in the mobile affiliate world where we were using traffic over mobile phones, because that was my background in mobile to then, uh, you know, do lead acquisitions through those phones. So we were doing cost per installation, cost per acquisition type of campaigns. Um, to get mobile apps, you know, downloaded by customers. And we were being paid for the difference. So if it was a $5 install and we could acquire that customer for $1.50 or $2, I made the, you know, $3, dollars dollars in profit for every one of those that shook down. And there were no interfaces. There were no web interfaces to do this in. There was no marketing interfaces, no Facebook, you know, to go do your ads or whatever. There was spreadsheets, and uploading into the systems, giving a Hail Mary pass on your campaign and your budget and watching to see the numbers come back and was it profitable or not profitable, and then repeating that process. So I didn't actually make my first campaign profitable until the 300th launch. I remember this exactly. It was 301, and I almost gave up every time, like 299 is this $300? Like every time I'm like, nope, 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 just keep going, keep going. And wow. it's, that one took off. And when it took off, I mean, it was $500 a day in profit. And then I launched the second one and it was 500. So then I just made two little millimeter shifts to the creative and I just kept going. And pretty soon I'm doing more than a thousand dollars a day in profit. Um, So I just kind of cracked a little bit of that code for me and that took off. And I suddenly realized I could do some really fun things with that. And that expanded into helping some other affiliate companies in mobile and stuff. They ended up getting some series A funding. I helped a couple of the push networks develop their web systems based on my lead generation campaign strategies and You know, that gave me some online cloud and got me started in that way. But I transitioned to the physical product world when I realized, you know, all that lead generation was helping other companies build their products and brands. And I was still acting like the middleman. I'd created a job
1: (laughs) for myself.
0: Uh, I didn't even realize what I'd stepped into because, again, in that entrepreneurial world, uh, I was still trying to be the entrepreneur, but I was still a solo, solopreneur. I was still, to some degree, a one and I'd have good successes in the different businesses. I just fully hadn't evolved in my mindset and my business and my experience yet, and so I was still developing that. By the time I got into the realization of building my own brand, building my own products, someone introduced me to Amazon. Amazon as a marketplace, as a platform of selling physical products. Other people were looking at it like, you know, hey, just a way to make money. I had always been looking at it as a way to build businesses, which is one of the things I I knew that I wanted to be involved as I was growing and evolving, and I wasn't sure exactly how to tie that together. But when that platform showed me the capabilities, uh, I quickly realized that this was a mode of traffic that also allowed me to build a brand. It was kind of a hybrid. It was a unique situation. So I jumped in with both feet. I said, well, it's another traffic source. It's products. How do I establish this? How do I figure this out? And how do I test 300 you know, products to get my 300 ones to go off? That's, that was my expectation. I had no means that I had to do some sort of lottery mindset thing. I was going to scratch and sniff and hit a winner. I already knew I was willing to test 300 products before I found a winner. I didn't need to do that ultimately, but I was in that frame of mind that I was going to dig that trench and stay in it until I found that gold. And so it didn't actually take me that long to figure out. And something I discovered very quickly was the technology I'd learned at IBM during those days, stuff we were building and doing was part of the technology that Amazon had developed into its search algo. And I'm like, oh, I recognize this. Like, This makes sense to me, technology. It makes sense to me at the algorithm. It makes sense to me how they're evaluating products and looking at the knowledge of the products and the information and how they're getting customers to buy. And as soon as I understood that, now everything just sort of changed. At that moment, I couldn't launch products and brands fast enough to keep up with the growth. How many brands did you launch? We've now had uh, eight brands launched um, in almost 10 years on the platform. Uh, We sold a couple of them. We're working on new ones. We're still working on the old ones. Uh, We've taken people along for the ride with us, um, hundreds to thousands of them. Uh, We've had conventions of 800 to 1,000 people per convention. Um, We made last track um, well over 50 millionaires off the platform under my coaching uh, and helped teach a lot of the industry experts that are now out there in the world um, came through our trainings. I like to be the guy that's in the background, the mentor that hangs out, that watching people get to their Everest and take their pictures now. I don't need to be at the top of my Everest anymore. I lost that uh, whole desire a long time ago. I just kind of wanted to be the guy that helps others go. And obviously doing my own business and operating daily in that platform, uh, understanding how it works still, and of course, working to scale so that others can take those benefits like Daniel and Bry, who just recently hit their uh, sales records of $8,000 and $9,000 a day in their Mm -hmm. businesses. So they're pretty happy about that growth and I'm happy to see them do it. Pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. And all of those brands are within FBA? They are. Uh, some of them have moved into DTC or direct to consumer channels, um, like funnels and Shopify and other places. But those are all multi-channel opportunities for growth and exit, because that's my big evil capitalistic agenda, as I like to joke. Yeah, uh, yeah, I is I help these right. people? Yep, yeah, help these people grow them up and exit them. Um, so we go from you know zero to hero, uh, and then give them the opportunity to actually sell those companies and help them understand the whole process from end to end.
1: Yeah. What's your thoughts on capitalism? Like, do you think that entrepreneurs are the the driving force for change or are
0: you 100% man hands down get government out allow the free speech even if you don't like it um of Bit course of there's lines yeah. in the sands of accountability for free speech you have to be accountable but all people can say all things and then it's up to them for individual accountability what the outcome is it may be negative it may be positive but it's still free speech so entrepreneurs yes entrepreneurs have always been the ones that led the cutting edge the innovations it was never the corporations that did it uh corporations borrowed a lot from the entrepreneur and small business world in order to establish their base very clear. Uh, and if we're going to change, you know, the focus of our culture and stuff, we're going to have to get back to what is really driving the core of our economy, uh, which is supporting and leveraging small businesses, especially through these last few years of hardship mm-hmm. with local businesses and businesses that lost a lot of traffic. Some of them stayed afloat. Some of them went out of business. Some of them adapted and, and made it work. But many of them couldn't uh, adapt to online or couldn't adapt to the change in the market and, and suffered because of that. But they still are a huge foundation. And, you know, a lot of people talk to capitalism. Uh, sometimes they accidentally stumble into pure capitalism. Or they veer off into socialism, not realizing what they've done because it's such a nuance between the two. And they say things like, well, this is a democracy. And no, in America, it's actually supposed to be a republic. uh, It's supposed to be a constitutional republic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't understand the nuances anymore. No one's been trained. They don't know. They can't recite the literature that supports our constitution. They don't really understand it. It's been watered down so much to the point where it's been a lot of corporatocracy uh, in that way. And I'm probably getting on a soapbox, but that leads to a little bit of fascism. And that's a dangerous thing when corporations start to drive policies and economics of our government, the people will lose. Um, that's been proven in history over and over and over again. So yes, I am for a capitalist model. I'm not for a pure capitalism for evil gain and agenda. And I'm certainly not for socialism. I believe an individual individual's work and accountability should be their own. And that everybody, frankly, whether they realize it or not, has an opportunity. I came from a hardworking family who was relatively poor. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad worked hard and he provided, but we had enough to get by, but nothing else. So I learned very quickly if I wanted to make anything, um, I needed to go mow lawns or find some other way to get cash to do what I wanted to do. You know, we had food on the table and I had clothes and I wasn't suffering, but we weren't doing you know terribly well. By the time I got to be 21, I was making more than my dad was at 55 by the type of business model that I was doing. And he's a hard worker and I learned a lot of wonderful things about him. Uh, He's still, of course, alive and he's on the hill and I get to see him almost daily. And he's just an amazing man. But I also had the benefit others might not have had, uh, which was my uncle was, um, a businessman and he was an entrepreneur. And in the same rich dad, poor dad scenario, he kind of came became my rich dad because of his thinking and his mindset and the way he, he understand business and he challenged it. And I was able to have conversations with him and he was one of my first real mentors to challenge my thought processes and get me out of that corporatocracy thinking and that scarcity mindset that I didn't even understand, uh, was a major part of my thinking in my daily life. Um, which is a huge shift in the way I started to think about success and business differently. But make no mistake, I crawled along. (laughs) Sure, I had help, but not much more help than everybody has to some degree. If they're willing to work hard and help themselves up, uh, other people will help them out. Um, It's just too much handout right now. And that's not going to support a model of economy, as for Darncher, Yeah. So you're not into UBI then? No, don't even get me started on that crap. That's (laughs) that's socialism masses capitalism in many forms. So no, I am not for that. There are evolutions to life. You have to accept that it's okay for you to start out being a janitor or to be in the garage or to be somewhere where you learn a trade or a skill set that starts the fundamentals of your knowledge. From there, you might learn how to be a manager or somebody who owns to some degree something in an owner level. And then you understand what it's like to take on the risks of an owner uh, who puts capital and energy and time and heart and stress and even blood into working the business and ensuring everybody gets taken care of and the customers are taken care of and the business is running. And yeah, I mean, these are all stages, which I think people don't understand anymore or maybe they've forgotten or they don't care to know. I'm not sure. Um, Mm -hmm. But they just want to skip right to the end, which is just give me the money and or just make me a CEO or whatever it is. They kind of forget that it's okay to again, climb that ladder a little bit and understand what's going on and be that operator for a little while. So you actually understand the risks it takes. It's a whole different sphere of visibility into the struggles that entrepreneurs face, um, that most people kind of gloss over. I jokingly say it's, you know, 15 years to an overnight success because for many people that's what it looks like.
1: Fair enough. I mean, we can't all be, uh, owners. We can't all be, uh, I think that the UBI thing is like originally got sparked by the electric truck revolution in the United States. Hmm. Having
0: an autonomous truck, that's going to, you know, swap out a lot of jobs. It will change a lot of things. Um, You know, there's a lot of uh, positions in this country that are going to be taken over by machines. It just is. AI is going to be here. It's going to grow. It's going to change the landscape and, you know, adapt and survivability and perseverance. These are going to be words that some people are going to understand and others, unfortunately, are going to fall under the sword because of it. Uh, or they'll just simply choose a thing like UBI um, because they simply don't need to work. It's been a major problem in the United States finding manpower that wants to work. Um, thankfully, my business model which switched to one in which I don't need employees. My contractors are paid on performance. We have standard operating procedures. We have uh, key, key results and objectives they must achieve for payment and, and bonuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they don't perform, I'll find someone else who will. And I, I found that to be a much better model of performance. They're happier. I'm happier. They take an owner mindset. And the way the businesses run, and uh, because they are to some degree entrepreneurs themselves, and it's a great symbiotic relationship. And it doesn't require warehouses anymore. I used to have one. It doesn't require yeah. employees. I used to have those too. And it's a much simpler model again that moved to that lifestyle um, direction and choice into the business that now has become what we do now. So, do you guys work completely remotely? We do 100 remote. About
1: voltage Holdings, right now.
0: I am talking about Voltage. Yeah, Voltage Holdings yeah, owns yeah. a number of things, including digital media and One Sunrise. Uh, as well as our brands and um, software. So, we, uh, it's kind of a holding company that conglomerates the other activities, but we are all virtual. Uh, yeah. How do you find it working remotely?
1: Um, I, I mean, there's a bit of a nuance having employees. In person compared to Zoom. Yeah, kind
0: of well, I mean, look if you're if you struggle to recognize your strengths and weaknesses, and you think you're a people manager but you're not a people manager, that will only be exacerbated by trying to do remote work in a management format. If you couldn't do it in person, you're going to struggle even greater with that on Zoom remote. Again, having uh, OKRs, you're familiar with those objectives and key results. Uh, it's a formulaic strategy of management. Uh, that was eventually that was the deployed into Google first, and then everybody saw you know the benefit of that, and many have deployed that into their management by exception strategy. So we we deploy that. We also have our standard operating procedures that everybody follows for for their particular roles, and they're very comfortable knowing what they can have success and where they can get their performance from, and what makes the job great and how fun it can be for them, and and they get a flexibility in that. Uh, to do the life they need to do as well as perform under those goals you know i don't need your butt in your seat i need your performance if you can do that from a coffee shop or a different hours of the day or whatever as long as it meets the goals of the clients and the objectives of those you know okrs be my guest um because i want you to understand lifestyle as a business and we've trained up some people who went on to do their own businesses um you know it's it's the way it works sometimes right Um, Certain people expand beyond that and they're like, hey, I'm going to do my own thing now. Thanks for the training. And it's like, "Okay, great. More power to you. You know, they're usually willing to accept that and help me work it out. But it doesn't happen very often. So it can be challenging. You know, I'm not the greatest people manager. I've learned to work through that more and more. But putting those particular frameworks in place is a great help uh, for me. So people know their boundaries and they help write those goals, um, which has helped me become a better people manager.
1: That's very humble and, and a nice approach there. Well, we learn from mistakes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it seems so. Do you do do any journaling and uh, blogging or writing? to like
0: solidify these? I do. I do indeed. Um, I, I typo my emails, which I get jokingly laughed at a bunch of times by my people. Cause I constantly mistake, uh, accidentally, you know, type things wrong. I do better on video. Um, yeah, yeah. but I, I do write emails. I try to write at least one a day out to my list. I have a, a group on telegram. I talk to quite a bit about life and business and the world and things, which is interesting. And I had a blog that I, I ran for a little while. I just got too time consuming, but mostly, you know, I keep those thoughts in my notes. If I've if I'm in my nothing box out mowing my yard for four hours to get the to get the acreage done, then I have a lot of thoughts and I'll stop and write those down and then I'll come back later and you know draft them into emails or put them into a video and put them on TikTok or wherever else it ends up at. And then, of course, I have my podcast, which I uh, like to bring people in of like mindset and I like to talk about those kind of things that are interesting and I get it's a way for me to get an outlet. Uh, through them and through those conversations. And of course, doing guest podcasts like this is a great way for me to get some of my thoughts out as well and leverage those. But yeah, no personal journaling. I think I do enough talking. I have five women in my house. So I find it very difficult to keep up with all the talk that goes on in my house, plus all the talk I already do. (laughs) It's a long answer to say, no, I don't journal. (laughs) 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 Journaling for me is a whole different mechanism. (laughs) But yeah, yeah,
1: I just asked because you seem to just be quite elucidated about like your uh trajectory in your history. So
0: it's good to see. I have a path. I know where I'm going, you know. Um if a lot of people want vacations from their life, I my life is a vacation uh because I chose to make it that way. And with all the other struggles I've had, I chose to, to go ahead and go through those and deal with those and overcome them so that I could achieve this now. I don't need a vacation for my life. Uh and so I have a very different perspective about what the future holds. People are like, well what are your three and five year and ten goals? No, I'm not in a corporate world anymore. I don't care about those. Where I'm at in the next three to five years could probably question. shift. Well, it could probably shift. Why would you put that down? I mean, what happens with that is, you know, the idea of vision boards and hustle and grind and all that stuff, it's great for some people, right? It's not for me. What I look at is what am I achieving every day that's moving the ball down the court? Do I make sales every day on things I do? Or does the business, you know, forward itself every day? Sure. But every day is not a touchdown, all right? Every day is sometimes just moving that thing three feet down the road. And I've learned to be more patient in that. And I've learned to let time be what it is. Uh, I can push it. I can try to struggle. I can measure it to a degree that says, well, we didn't achieve our quarterly results by $2 and then be that guy. But I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm not going to do that because it creates an environment of hostility and stress and the presentation that performance is the only value that we have to offer uh, in terms of our internals. And I tend to focus more on the performance and gains of my clients and what they're doing, because I know what I'm, I'm already doing is comfortable for me. But everybody has a different goal. Everybody has a different, like to say, everybody has a different Everest they want to climb. And, you know, helping them get to their Everest has been fun. I know where mine is. I've achieved a lot of that already. Uh, And it is just to continue, quite honestly, my lifestyle. What that is achievable in, in the next three to five years without some adjustment or shift, it will change. That's fine. I'm okay with that. You know, does it have to keep going and increase? No. No, it really doesn't. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned to finally let go of the conscious idea that more is going to be happier or more is going to do more or I'll take better trips or bigger cars or just more is the answer to the rest of today's problems. And I think that is arrogant and I was arrogant and I stood prideful on that and I hurt relationships and destroyed things because of that. And that is not the person I want to be remembered for. Yeah. Admirable. So what's next in, in life or just today? <laughs> so both. both. Well, for the rest of today, I'll probably going to um, go hang out and watch the pool water fill up and maybe have a barbecue with the kids out. It's kind of hot. We may go we'll stay inside. We'll see. Uh, the rest of the day will be spent with family. We homeschool. So everybody's always here and I office here. So we're I literally have spent every day with my kids, except a few nights I've spent to part with them, um, which I prefer my wife as well um, to just hang around our family and do family stuff. In the future, you know, um, we are talking right now in May. You know, we'll see, what, we'll see what happens the rest of the year. We're on good trajectories. Business is growing all around. I have no complaints uh, about that whatsoever. Um, we're just going to continue to support, you know, what's working in our business. we got new brands we're launching. We've got some new software we're considering. Um, We've got some new, you know, things we're working on. And I'm excited about those activities and, and seeing them come to fruition. Uh, and those will be the next few months of activities. But quite honestly, it's summertime. So we're probably going to spend a lot of time doing a little less work and a whole lot of time being out in the pool and hanging out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Great to hear. That's lovely. Yeah. I, I'll let you uh, get to that beautiful afternoon in a sec. Uh, no I just also wanted to ask about, you know, you've been doing this for like 15
0: or 14 years, is it? Uh, Whatever 2022 minus twenty two thousand seven 2007 is. Yeah. About 15 years. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's about yeah. the same. I've been in New Zealand. So that's it. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, about fifteen years juggling things on my own. Well, it's actually closer to ten in reality. I wouldn't consider the five uh, years in which I struggled to figure out what a real entrepreneur does after leaving the corporate world and having to like reprogram my life and my mindset and make so many adjustments and changes to expectations. That that that's more like the uh, dark area before the light showed up. That's something that I know now. I probably should have just went for a mentor sooner. I should have reached out to some of people, uh, my, my you know my mentor, I mentioned my uncle. he died in 2005. So he was a catalyst Sorry. of me getting out in 2007 uh, because the loss of that a person and that ability suddenly you know made me realize that I had uh, I had lost the opportunity sooner to take advantage of his knowledge and expertise when I could have got out on my own and used him as more of a bridge. Uh, and his knowledge to help me kind of push forward. And he was encouraged me to do some things like even start a franchise and stuff and just get something going. And, and I was hesitant to do that. And now I recognize there was a loss. And so after dealing with that for two years and kind of reconciling, not the sadness of his loss per se, that went faster, but just the realization that suddenly I didn't have another sounding board in the world. I didn't have another way to, to think about that mindset that was there and that, that board of talk and conversation. And hey, what do you think? And hey, well, didn't you think about it like this? Oh, crap, I didn't even see that. I didn't know to look at it that way. Uh, I lost that, and so I knew the only way for me to really gain it was to get out on my own and to struggle through it. So I knew that was going to be a tough move, and it was. And we made it through it. You know, uh, it wasn't the easiest move. And everybody's like, "Well, when? Do, how much money do I need to start a business? And when should I jump out? And do I need four more years? And do I? You know, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "No, you just gotta go. It's always imperfect. It is literally imperfect, and something perfect will happen along the way." That's my phrase. So at the end of the day, I jumped, and in that same time frame between me getting out and starting my business, my uh, we got married in March of uh, 2007, and then the job ended in 2007 uh, as well in June. And then uh, after that new marriage, and you know, I'm on my own, I'm doing my thing. My wife was a, a registered nurse and had her BSN. Uh, she was working and doing home health and really loving it, and then find out we're pregnant in October with the first baby in the first year, uh, which led to a considerable amount of un- uh, unknown medical issues for her uh, from October to about December uh, due to that pregnancy uh, which caused her to go on bed rest. So then she wasn't working anymore because she had all the pay time off she could go and she could no longer be in the job. And so she literally had to stop working and go on bed rest. So in the end of our first year, we'd gotten married. I'd lost my job. we gotten pregnant and she had lost her job. So we went from 250000 a year in income to zero, all in the case of a year with right. a house, a mortgage, a new baby on the way, and a sick wife. So when everybody gives me their objections (laughs) about life. And, you know, I just lost my uncle two years earlier in 2006. I lost my uh, grandma in 2000. uh, After 2006, I've lost another family member. You know, there are plenty of excuses of why life hurts and why things are struggling and why sickness and illness and death and whatever else is justifiable in your reasons for stopping or giving up doing anything uh, or not starting things. And, you know, that's where I literally doubled down with my back against the wall and said, well, I'm, I did this. I'm not stopping now. (laughs) So thankfully my wife was very understanding in the spiritual side of things. God put me in a place where I had to be still for a while because I needed to be dad and mom. Uh, So as the first child was born and my wife was still overcoming those issues and we were dealing with the sickness there. um, It did take a lot of toll on her ability to, to take care of things. And so I had to step in more of the mom and dad. Uh, and that kind of continued for for a little while as we discovered the medical issues were also partly for my daughter and we had to deal with those medical issues for her after she was born. Uh, and so that whole time frame, it was like, Hey, you know, this is where you need to be right now. And I got this. So he took care of it and, you know, saw me through that and found a path through all of that nonsense into inventing that guy who became the mobile marketer um, that kind of saved the business, saved a life and turned everything around. Um, and that happened after about four or five years <laughs> down that path. So. That was my experience, and now I've given people the opportunity by mentoring them to jump past all of that uh, and really start to coach the mindset and the, the opposite of scarcity and getting into abundance and where you how to look at things and realize that you're it's never going to be perfect, but you got to be agile, you got to persevere, you're going to have to change. It's never exactly the same way, uh, no matter what. You're going to follow a critical path to success, but you got to remember. You know, even if you're climbing up that Everest and you've got all the right equipment and you left base camp and you feel super confident that you're going to go up the hill, there's a storm that could pop up like over the horizon super fast and you never saw it coming. And Mm. that is what life and business is all about. It's adaptation, perseverance, and having the right people around you that will get you through it. It's really simple. It's who you know that gets you there. And it's what you know that keeps you there. And that's a a life lesson that I had to learn the hard way. And now I show people how to try to avoid those potholes in life by helping them see their way through it quicker and easier and faster. So you were touching on this answer
1: already, but you know, if you could go back and tell your 21 year old self, some of the things that you know now, uh, what would you, what would you try and get across to that guy?
0: Well, that guy wouldn't listen. Let's call (laughs) it what it is. Right. The question leads to the idea that I was open and willing to receive any input at that point Uh, in 20s. I wasn't. Um, That's just the truth. And I think a lot of us aren't Uh, till something changes, something breaks or something uh, obviously gives us the opportunity to to crack a window in our heart and mind uh, where something can come in. And at that point, that guy at 21, just because the age you picked on, uh, that guy wasn't ready for it. He wouldn't have listened. Yeah. Um, he needed to walk the hard rock, uh, knock life. He needed to walk those trials. He, I would not have told him a single thing differently. I would have just said, good luck because the guy I am now where I currently live, who my wife is and my family and structure, I wouldn't change it for the world. You couldn't pay me enough. So all of those negative things that that 21 year old guy did that went on into my twenties and early thirties, go for it, bro. All of it. Just, do it. <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing. Now, after we got married and that point I was just talking about a minute ago, I would have told myself, you dummy invest in Bitcoin. Like, go <laughs> put all your, because <laughs> at that point it was like 600 bucks a coin. Right. I was like, you dummy, you should have gone bought up a bunch of coin. Um, but that, you know, that would have changed things now too. So I'm joking. Yeah. Yeah. My um, was just- I know it's an interesting thing. And people would be like, I'm going to go back and tell that guy to do all these wonderful things. And it's like, no, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change this life. It's been a gift. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow, that's awesome. I also kind of wanted to ask though
1: if if we take the hypothetical and uh, you know, cuz some of our listeners are, are about that age, you're coming across to me as such a mentor. It's kind of just obvious. So, you know, to people who are who are kind of like,
0: well, you've kind of said
1: it anyway, I guess. It's just, you know, take the leap and uh well what would i choose. say
0: to a 21 year old who might be listening to this that might actually take a moment to truly hear my words and not just listen yeah i mean they're taking the time to listen 40 yeah. minutes through this uh this podcast well let's let's talk to the last few people who are probably listening all the way through this podcast at this point um some of you may have dropped off and you're gonna miss this those of you who are still hanging out you know if you're 21 at this point and life for you is a struggle to some degree whether you don't understand it whether you acknowledge it whether you're trying to figure out your way in the world and you don't want you know don't know what to do next per se you might even at 21 you might still be in college you might be thinking about graduating or at this point or even heading into a you know master's degree or something if you're in college taking that route or maybe you're in the world of trade and you're thinking about how do I go to the next step in business or licenses or you know or or you know expanding my trade into maybe a business or maybe you're just listening to this sitting at your you know couch in your mom's basement that's the old joke right uh, doing nothing and playing thinking you can be the, the world's vi- you know greatest video game person. You might be able to, but you won't you won't beat me because I was a video gamer before it was cool. I actually built a server business that had 20 server far, uh, 20 uh, servers and a farm in Dallas where I did multiplayer online gaming um, before it was cool. Uh, and before nice. there was YouTube to stream and all that stuff, um, we were selling uh, Kodak access so people could do voice over the internet on a multiplayer gaming before it was built into the games. so people could play the games but they couldn't chat. So we had all these clans on our servers who were playing and multi-chatting across our audio codecs um, so they could play the game together. Right? Voice chat, voice IRC. I know it's going to date me. I'm only 46, but this stuff I sounds mean, like, uh, you know, this sounds like grunting <laughs> with like fire. Ugh. So well, the. No, I mean, you still can't even use voice chat in Age vampires today. So Some of that stuff still sucks. So we had a solution and it was cool. And we constantly engineered new, you know, codecs for higher quality over lower latency. So audio would be great and would be near real time. And we had servers located and started to expand around the world. So people from all over the world were coming onto our servers and stuff. It was doing great. But I understood that game and to get that business to grow and I became a gainer. So I played a lot of games online and at that point, multiplayer Call of Duty, the original was one of the big ones um, that I got really good at. The end result is, you know, any of one of those things can be true, um, but you have to understand there are certain levels of success in each of those areas. The same way if you wanted to say, I want to become a celebrity uh, and go what, be movie star and do this kind of stuff. Your level of success is going to be very small unless you get into a network. The greater success opportunities for you will be in things about business, e-commerce, and online creations of things you can do. Even you know NFTs and other things that are starting to become trending in the world. You know you should be looking into those kinds of things. They're not only evergreen; they've been around for a long time, a long time. They've matured uh, for quite a long time. And quite honestly, the commodity of physical products I chose as a hedge against inflation. Uh, which is 21. At this point, you may not even understand the impacts of inflation on our world or the growing impacts of that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but, a few people to understand. but you should understand those things. And, and what are people actually going to need now or in the near future uh, should that issue continue to rise? And that is to be involved in the product or service of supporting uh, an area of demand and need. Products certainly are one of those areas. It's why we've chosen, it's why we've doubled down, it's why we've grown, products will be in demand even if cost goes up and inflation increases, people still need products. If you could somehow manufacture a baby formula that was safe and effective and get it in the market right now, you'd probably be crushing it. Uh, Because right now, that's one of the things that's running off the shelves here in America very fast and I keep seeing articles about the scarcity of baby formula and how critical is that need, right? Entrepreneurs can find a need and fill it there. (laughs) You know, there's opportunities to grab that. So, again, at 21, if you could just crack a moment in your head and just listen, uh, the real goal here is that you can create something of value. You can create something that's tangible and its asset. Um, A physical product or business might be the answer for you because you can create value and brand, an organic brand. And even if you're involved in online multiplayer gaming, you might develop a product line that's yours um, that you could sell as part of your gaming platform or part of your, you know, uh, live stream. I met a guy and this is, there's so many ways it's so difficult at times to figure out what works for you. Just think of the nuances. I was literally in an Uber in Vegas and this guy had all these products lined up on the front of his car. And I'm like, what are all these products? And he's like, well, I sell those. And I'm like, so you're, how many are you making? He's like, well, I make about two times a month what I make uh, as an Uber driver selling the products in my Uber car. I'm like, seriously? And so I got back from Vegas after that trip and it just so happened somebody sent me an article because they were in that Uber with me and they're like, dude, check this out. Uh, And it was an article about a guy who made about half a million a year as an Uber driver, of which about 400,000 of that or more was from the product sales from his Uber. Right. Uh, And he has taken a creative activity and was selling physical products to people who drove in his Uber car. Uh, And I'm like, look, that ingenuity is there. Those creative ideas and business are there. It's why I got into business to be creative and to find ways and alternatives uh, to make money because there are so many different ways to do it now. It literally gets down to, you know, what do you feel you can do? Um, And it's, you know, everybody at every age has that possibility, right? Uh, Even if it's getting out and mowing lawns because you're passionate about being outdoors, you can start a lawn company if that makes you happy. Uh, The end result is, you know, you can make money doing what you love without jeopardizing your passion. That's just an excuse. Uh, People will use, you know, that excuse to say, well, if I do what I love, then I'll no longer enjoy doing it. That's lame. That's a scarcity mindset mentality. Don't think that way. Uh, If you really love it that much, you'll find new ways to do it that enjoy you, uh, enjoy it, make it passionate and make it changeable for your brain as an entrepreneur, your ADHD or whatever, while still making money in that. That's why I have all these different verticals now. That's why I've stayed in this area for 10 years. I constantly get to change, adapt, create, and move and shift in this vertical space without starting up a you know a whole another business of some kind off in the right field. I'm staying within my lane and creating multiple streams of revenue now inside of that lane uh, and being able to create and continue to adapt. So and the other aspect is just the final thing I mentioned. Yeah, do something, even if imperfectly, you're not gonna learn, you're not gonna have any success. And sometimes those failures will turn into successes if you just turn it around. It's usually just a very small move off of failure to success, right? If you don't give up, go to your 301th campaign, whatever it is, your 301st idea (laughs) and don't stop. Well, yeah. Good luck to you, whoever's listening. Is there anything that you
1: would like to touch on that we haven't touched on?
0: No, not per se. If anybody wants to get a hold of me or this sounds like fun or you want to jam for a little bit, you can obviously hit me up on social media. I'm all over the place. Um, I have a small last name you can't miss me on the internet (laughs) there aren't many of me out there um so when you find me feel free to connect check out what i'm doing if it resonates maybe we'll have a conversation
1: thanks so much for listening to another episode of debutify podcast if you want to be part of the show just email us podcast at debutify.com or head over to debutify.com to learn more have a great day and good luck with everything